Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself, Pete, here with Lone Senior Dixon. How are we doing, Dixon? So far, so good. Lost power for five minutes, but we're back in business. <laughs> we got the Chupacabra back on the uh, <laughs> back on the wheel, <laughs> getting the power going. We whipped them into shape, yep. I don't know. Puerto Ricans don't believe in Chupacabra. That's a Mexican thing, isn't it? No, no. It, in the entire tropics. In, really? In like all, the in all provinces of like Latin America and even like South America? Northern uh, South America, a little bit of Mexico, and the entire tropics. Well, I just learned something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we literally had them on TV. It was pretty funny. Nice. Yeah, but anyways, we're getting on this because we're doing another three-game series. This time, though, we spiced it up a little bit, and I like the way we did it. So we actually both decided to limit ourselves to picking two masters for all three rounds. So we were like, cool, these are the two. We declared them, so both of us knew all the masters on the uh, on the hiring pool for us. And then we also took the day one uh, standings, or not standings, but the day one um schemes and strats for the Richmond uh, Malifaux tournament that's coming up in May. So those of you that are going to that, you might be of interest just to see what Dixon and I think as we play day one uh, of this tournament. So I'm definitely excited to talk about it because I think it's it's more relevant and cool to talk about tournaments that are going on in other places. Yep, yep. Not only, not only do we get like the voice out so that people know that in their area there's events, yep. but we also get to like test out if like you know, their missions are messed up or whatever. Yeah. And if you're playing the factions that we chose, then you might get some interest out of that. You might also hear kind of some things that we noticed in the pools. So maybe that gives you some things to think about. Um, so yeah, it'll be a lot of fun talking about these. Uh, but before we get into that, make sure that you guys are checking us out. You can do that through the uh, Twitter sphere. You can do that on our discord channel. I'm always posting all of our updates there. Uh, Dixon is on the Facebook group of a weird place, so he does put our uh, releases there so you can get that information as well. And uh, yeah, we got the YouTube channel, so we're putting our Vassal games on there. I did have somebody ask us the other day, actually it was Loki Bree, who was like, hey, if I like go into the Discord chat and I just listen and I go into your Vassal room and watch, can I do that? And I was like, absolutely. If you want to you know, do the, the the Peaky Blinders, like peeking through the and peeking through the shades and checking us play our games, you can. Uh, you get to see everything unedited that way, which sometimes is funnier. Oh, but yeah. uh, definitely, definitely don't mind people doing that. Just make sure you're on mute and stuff because we usually are time restricted. So that way we can uh, make sure that we're getting the game done before we got to go on to our other obligations of the day. And then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash ragequitwire where you can do it, uh, support us for as little as a dollar. 
And then if you don't want to do that, you can also support us indirectly with an affiliation link we got through Weird. That's just going to the Weird site through our link, which is give us your money, please. Thank you. Dash weird.com slash rage quit wire. And you can support us through that as well. Weird doesn't give us a lot, but it's enough to help offset some of the costs of the podcast. So getting on to this, uh, this day one of the Richmond Open, uh, something I did want to go into it is it, we did it kind of like a normal thing. Dixon and I both, both declared, uh, declared our faction. So I chose Bayou and Dixon, you're getting into some Harkness nonsense. Yep. Yep. I, since we did the split where like, you're going to play four factions, you know, for like events and stuff in, yeah. in the podcast. And then I'm going to do the other four. I was like, well, when was the last time I played Arcanist? I was like, oh my God, it was season, it was version two of Malifaux where I, where I played them actually competitive for a little bit. So I was like, all right, I need to get back to this because like in third edition, all I've done with them is just played normal random casual games yeah. just to see what they do, except for Tony Ironsides because it's the yeah. only one that I was like trying to get really good at. Uh, and they're fun. Like Rasputina has been more fun than I thought she was going to be. Yeah, and we, so you ended up picking Raspy, and who was the second master you were choosing for day one? Matt Moxie. I mean, Colette. <laughs> if anybody plays Borderlands, just put them side by side. Like, they're so freaking, like, they're, they're just so much alike. Yeah, and I ended up picking for day one Ma Tucket and then the uh, Swamp Fiend herself, uh, Zoraida. So, I and honestly, Dixon, I think when you look at a pool for a two-day tournament, I think mm -hmm. it is a smart idea to be like, you know, I want to limit myself to probably these two masters. That way, I think they're good in these pools. And depending on the faction that gets declared, that'll give me good options uh, depending on which way I want to go. Yep. Yep. So that's uh, that's good thinking when you go into a two-day tournament. Just be like, you know, I know I could play a lot of stuff, but here's the two masters I'm thinking about playing. Yep. And I, I was having a fairly good amount of success. I played against Maniko Cackle, mm -hmm. who shocked me with a uh, McMorning 2. He played McMorning 2, and he buffed the ever-living crap out of three flesh constructs. And I got my, my butt kicked with uh, Colette and with um, uh, Rasputina. And I was like, holy crap. I, so, so I learned that like at the high echelons, you, you really need to be on point with those masters, regardless of... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So day or the uh, round one of the uh, Richmond Open is this. This pool really kind of had me thinking pretty hard about what I wanted to do. It was uh, corner deployment with cursed objects, sabotage, catch and release, uh, public demo, spread them out, and vendetta. And I don't know about you, but the first day of a tournament, round one. I usually try to go, usually, I don't always, but, and I'm going to tell you when I don't follow this rule, it's usually bad, but <laughs> I, I usually try to go with a master that I'm comfortable with to kind of kick the dust off. Right. Because it's like, okay, you got to get in, you got to get your tokens out and it's bad to kind of also worry about what your crew does. So that's why I picked Ma Tucket because I was like, you know, that's one of my go-to round one masters. So I'm just going to play her here. Yep. 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 Of course, you're playing basically a faction you're not as familiar with. So why'd you choose Rasputina? At that point, I had played like four or five games. Uh, and I don't know if it was because my opponents didn't know about it. Uh, but I won all, all four games in a row at that time. Yeah. And I was like, sure, I'm just going to keep going and see where it goes. <laughs> and that was it. That's literally why I did it. Well, I think up to that point, you had maybe... 
actually, I don't think you had any games with Colette at that point. So that would have been your Not first game. Yeah. Not with Colette. But that first game that we played, it was Raspy, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, it was Raspy versus uh, Ma One. Yep. And so, yeah, like I literally was for that first game, I was like, well, I'm four and all or five and all at this point. Let's see if this is going to be the next one. Yep. So uh, <laughs> you ended up bringing the title version of Rasputina with Abominable. You brought the Wendango, the Mechanical Rider, the Ice Golem with the Soulstone Cash, because that seems good. Yep. Uh, Blessed of December and a Silent One and a Cult Geist. Whereas I started off the game with Mawtuck at one with 12 cups of coffee, the little last Soulstone Miner, Soulstone Miner, two Rooster Riders, Big Brain Bryn, and then Uncle Bog himself. Now, looking at this pool and looking at the list that we had, we're both deploying in these tiny little corners. So what were you thinking for your schemes? Which ones did you pick and why did you select those? So when I looked at the map, originally I was like looking and I'm like, well, I'm hoping that I get to see something for uh, Sabotage, but mm-hmm. I might have to play spread them out. Yeah. And then I, I looked at the map and, and I was like, oh, oh, I can definitely do Sabotage on like one specific piece all the way in the corner to, to I believe it was like to your right or something yeah. like that. Uh, and then uh, for the second one, I was like, well, I can't really do public demo or catch and release because my minions are bad. Yeah. So I am forced into Vendetta. And I thought maybe I'll get the first point, but I'm definitely going to try to aim for the second point. And I put Vendetta, my blessed December against Uncle Bog. But you made it so difficult to get into your crew that I was like, I'm going to only get the one point. (laughs) That's it. That's all I'm going to (laughs) get. I actually was thinking the same thing with, because I do have minions that are really good for catch and release, right? With Trixie, Uh, especially since I had two rooster riders. So I hired them because one, they have decent, they have really good range, but two, they're fast and three, their beaks can like tear you up. And if I get scared, I can just run off and go drop scheme markers. So I was like, all right, I, I want to do catch and release, but when one, when I looked at your list, I was like, okay, you don't have any henchmen. So that would be me having to dive a minion onto your master, which would then die. So I'm like, okay, that's not a very good option. And then I ended up picking spread them out in vendetta because I thought a rooster could get vendetta off and then hopefully kill your blessed, uh, your blessed one, whatever it's called. Right. And then run off. And then that way I got those two points and then spread them out. I was like, okay, I have two roosters and maw and some things and I have bog dropping scheme. So I was like, I should be able to do that as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That was kind of my plan. And by the way, I kind of like gamed it a little bit because I do play maw. So I knew like the possibility in, in me, uh, we talked about this before. I call it the last in, first out, which is you have a model like the the survivor. And I personally like to play Mecha Mima, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can drop like I don't know a trap or or a scrap marker somewhere. Yeah. The point is, you use the the survivor's ability to uh, off the rails. I think it's called uh, the one that you get to teleport R- to all the ride ages. the rails. Yeah, ride the rails. So you last activation on turn two. Uh, teleport him in. He gets scores the first point, and then first activation turn two, you get him the hell out. I mean, turn three, you get him the hell out. Yep. And then you just try to run away for the rest of the game until like the very, very last turn. Yeah, and Ma has some really good minions because you do have the uh, Rooster Rider, 
Uh, it's harder with the Soulstone miners because when they drop, they, they unbury, then they don't count for schemes and strats. So you got to kind of be careful if you do it with them. True. And then you also have the uh, test subjects, which are surprisingly durable. So you could do it with them as well. And even a bushwhacker can probably go run it if you really wanted to. Yep, yep. A combination in my games that I played, the, the best three that I got for spread them out was the bushwhackers and the soulstone miners. And I know it's going to sound stupid, but the soulstone miners, uh, after they're on the board and you choose whether or not you want to like uh, put them on the ground, they they could still just drop a scheme marker. Yeah. Well, so, and the fun, well the the funny thing is, I was thinking bushwhacker, but you're we played a game before, so I was like, okay, I got a feel of the models that Dixon likes. And I don't see you not bringing that blessed. Um, what what the heck is that stupid model called? It's a blessed. Blessed, something. just blessed the December. Just yeah, call it blessed because like there's like four models. That have December, but I don't see there. you not bringing that model. So I was Absolutely. like, if I bring a bushwhacker, that model is going to go hunt the bushwhacker down. Correct. So I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um. So yeah, we started getting into this game, and I decided to play. One, I cheated in the RAM with Maw's uh, careful planning. So that way I got two pass tokens. And it's interesting when you do that as a Maw player, because you can either use it to set up, which I think you were kind of waiting to see what I did. And if it presents itself, you can then use it to go aggressive and go try to you know kill something. And I had a pretty decent hand. So that's what I decided to do. I basically was like, cool, I'm going to advance but i'm going to push my roosters out get a couple of shots last two activations and then i'm going to go ahead and charge into your blessed with one of my roosters my vendetta rooster to try and set up getting points turn two yep yep and also something that i i should have done or thought about doing is uh i could pin my models down to the ground yeah so I could do that. Is that like just with Rasputina's bonus that she does that? No, no, she does. She doesn't do it with a bonus. She does it with her attack, the one ah. that, that pushes you and and usually, quote unquote, you slow people down. Uh, Mutilate is awesome and it's suited already, but the the other one is something that you can't, you can't sleep on because mm -hmm. it makes it so that you cannot be buried, move, or you use up? that. I was gonna say you use that in this game to make sure that I couldn't knock aside your uh, ice golem. Exactly right. And that way I couldn't knock you into my pit traps. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. Because so. the, the, it's literally, it's one of those like hidden gems uh, because of exactly that. Like like you put pit traps in and I know that game plan or you want me to not be in a specific part of the map and I just like, nope, he's going to be staked to the ground until you actually have to do something about it. Yeah. I was surprised how much armor and shielding that your list had. Yes. Because you get, you have like, about half your models have armor, especially since you have the mechanical rider and the ice golem. And then you also just have like, if you push, I think what next to an ice marker, ice pillar, you get a shield. If you push well within eight inches of her, ah, of raspy period, the, the call guys itself, he has something that if you end your activation within two inches of the, the ice pillar, he gets heal one and shield it, which is a special ability that some of the models in Savage Euripides have. Yeah, exactly. And I was surprised by that just because it it really made the Rooster Riders rifles not good because I it's min two. It's like two, four, five or something or two, two three, five, maybe even. So yep. I, I quickly realized that those trusty rifles were not going to do much damage to your crew. Yep. On a critical strike, if you focus and shoot me, I can still use a soul stone to put you at a negative. That's stupid good. Yeah. I mean, and the trusty rifles don't even have crit strike, so that's not even an option. 
I, I thought that they did the bushwhackers. No, 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 no the rooster riders. Ah, the bushwhackers. The bushwhackers do, but I didn't have any. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, like, even even if you were to shoot me with the the critical strike, that uh, you do no damage. True. Uh, if I use one soul stone, yep. Just because I put you on negatives, if you if you do weak damage of three. Yep. Yeah. So I I ended up ch basically charging into your blessed with a rooster turn one. You had some good cards, so nothing came about that. But because Ma has you know intuition and or not intuition, she has uh, ill omens. Right. That helped me get the first activation on turn two. And I use that basically to bring that rooster into you. And it, it was pretty neat because you use Deadly Pursuit to get out of engagement with the rooster. Right. But then I, I used Ma's uh, mask trigger on her careful planning to push back into base to base with you. And that was big because like you, I, you were like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I literally pushed just out of melee and I put myself in my melee, but yeah. not you. Because I was like, I know that they're notoriously, uh, quote unquote, bad because uh, they have a zero inch melee. Yeah. And then I forgot. I was like, oh, my God, Mark can do that straight. <laughs> so I got in there and that enabled me to I almost killed it. It would have been lucky to kill you. I was right. more concerned about getting the vendetta point mm. uh, because anybody that plays Rooster Riders knows that they are a high risk, high reward model. Like they can win you games but they are fragile and they like being hurt because then they do more damage and get positives and stuff. Correct. So you got to play with that, but they're very, very fragile. So I was like, I need to get this point now. And then I'm, I was going to try to kill you. I was like, if I can kill you, I'm going to do it. Yep. And I almost did. I left your blessed on two hit points. The, the big thing about this is I'm defense six and you're stat five. Yes. That was definitely a bigger deal than I thought it was going yeah. to be. And, and even then, even then, with the two guys that you sent after her, uh, the Blessed December stayed at two life. Yeah, and the Soulstone Miner I sent in had two focus because I unburied Charged India, and I didn't. I don't think I even stunned you I, or stunned myself, so I wanted to get the two full attacks. Correct. So, and I whiffed both of them. You had just high enough cards, and I thought at that point it would have been foolish for me to go in with the second Soulstone Miner. I was like, okay, I got my vendetta point. I still need the cursed object point. Actually, specifically, after you send the first soulstone miner, I barely survive. I was yeah. like, I need to go for the blessed now. So unfortunately, I had to activate the blessed December before I could do, you know, card. Yeah, and draw. then you killed the rooster rider and healed. And, <laughs> well, I yeah, I had to. Like at that point, yeah. I was like, I need to do this or else I die. And if I failed to kill it, I would have tried to go into my deployment zone. Yeah, because uh, your your little uh, miners, they cannot be within six inches of my deployment zone, correct? Yep. And I was close enough that I was like, okay, if I do this, I'm just going to go either on top of the wall or I'm going to go into my deployment zone and just hide for a turn. So you killed my rooster rider to get your point for the turn. I ended up deciding at that point to unbury and kill your totem because it's significant. Correct. And that's one I think in cursed objects you really have to be careful of is if your totem's significant, that has a huge target on its back for cursed. Yeah, I didn't think about that because I moved them into position to use him as a ice pillar. Yep. And that's when you did it. I was like, oh, I had a shield that on me and you still red joker him dead. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after what happened with the Blessed December. Yeah, after my other poor rooster. I mean, the poor. Blessed December went back to six health. From yeah. two health that he was almost, uh, she was almost dead. Yeah. So, I mean, I ended up getting my vendetta point off of that. We both score the cursed. 
but there was a, a big moment turn three that I think really switched the game in your favor. And I, I hadn't really seen this before because I don't think a lot of people, you don't see as many Sandeep players anymore and you definitely don't see as many uh, Rasputina players. So I feel like a lot of people aren't as familiar with the ice golem. Right. So I knew he was a big beater. So I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to kill this thing. You know, it's going to take a bunch of AP, but I got to kill it. So I moved Bog and Maw into engage him at the end of turn two. And you got the initiative turn three and oh my goodness, <laughs> you, you set up this dirty little trap that just made me want to cry in my pillow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I got first initiative to be honest. I, remember... I think you just flipped high and I had a low card. Like you didn't want to cheat or something? Yeah, I think I think I could have tied you, but I just didn't think. It. Plus, I didn't know that trick was in your bag, so I was like, okay, I get punched by the golem and then I kill it. I mean, right, is that what's right. gonna happen? And and on top of that, like you still chose to have the the double shielded, like two models get shielded. Yes, yeah. So that turn, I cheated in the crow to give Bog and Maw shielded too. So I was like, you can swing on me, but and I have some stones, so yeah, you should be fine, right? Yeah, and, that's what I was like. I was like, I'll be fine. And literally, and I, I activate. <laughs> I activate the golem. Golem removes the corpse because corpses count for my friend for friendly December models with this version of Raspi. Yep, didn't they, know that either. That felt they good. count as ice pillars, so I don't get cover whenever <laughs> they're there. But you know what I mean. Like I can use. Yeah, but you get stuff. to abuse them for like triggers and stuff and attack exactly. actions. That's exactly right. So that's exactly what happened. I, I remove the corpse. Yep. And I put a giant four-inch blizzard around my model that does two damage every time you do an action. Every time you do something, you're just, and not only that, you also have a lot of pushes in your keyword. Correct. So you can, like, even just the blessed, it just attacks and pushes something two inches. So it's like attack, do the damage, push you, take another two damage. So, I mean, it's like a min four attack at that point. Yep. yep. That's pretty dear Tay. It is super dear Tay. Because uh, minimum damage four is not a joke, especially when no. it's two different sources of damage yeah. to do the four damage. So. Yeah, uh, that actually ended up being important for Maw because I think Maw died turn four. Yeah, well, because I had to go in the tank at that point because I was right. like, I the mechanical rider was there and that's what I wanted to kill. Like, that's where I wanted to be. Mm. And since I had 12 cups of coffee, you couldn't do any bonuses in that area. So I was where I wanted to be, but I didn't want to take like eight damage doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> Nobody, um, Nobody no. wants that. <laughs> So I literally had to sit in the tank there for like 20 minutes, like just sitting there like, ah, I can't do that. And I was like, okay, what if I go behind here? And you're like, well, the ice golem size four. I was like, ah. <laughs> hey, uh, I got to give my man Loki Bryn, uh, you know, some props. He says, man, Dixon, that was dot, dot, dot. Put, put uh, sunglasses on. Ice cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I end up. And it, this is what you need to do. Well, try not to spend 20 minutes, obviously, if you're at a tournament, because then you're just wasting time. But since right. it was just me and Dixon, we were OK. We were kind of talking it through, too, with kind of just how good that was at that. At that moment, that was so good. In fact, I think it was like turn two or three. I put it up as well, because like at that point, you have seen it like two or three times uh, in the in the same game that we played. Mm. And my mechanical rider can also will also take damage from this. Yeah, but she's not moving and you were asking wait how tall is the ice golem is like yeah. he's size i can see because i was trying to hide behind, <laughs> i was trying to hide behind the mechanical rider so i could beat up on her correct and then like I was diving like, charge behind <laughs> her and beat her up i was like no the mechanical rider doesn't cast a shadow and she's yeah. size three and you're like 
So Aww. let's check the range. And then the mechanical rider was like deep into the, the It aura. was basically like I needed to be <laughs> like, I basically, if I had two inch reach, I could have done it. But since right. I only had a one inch reach, I was still in it. So at that point I had to switch my just mindset and be like, okay, how am I scoring my point this turn? It's not here because I can't engage here. So that's when I decided to diving charge. I actually had to walk and then diving charge to your cult guys. Right. And I ended up killing that with, I, I might even killed it with one swing. It was, so it exploded. You walked, dropped the trap because you had another combo that you wanted to do for later. Yeah. And then diving charged into, I believe it was my master or something. Yeah, I, like I engaged your master and the cult guys. Yeah. Right, and then you kill the call guys or hit the call guys, yep. and then attack my master because yep. uh, Raspy too has an action that just ends your activation. I yeah, mean, a offensive trigger. Yeah, that's super good. It's well, it's on willpower and defense, so it's just good. Yeah, it's just solid. Like you have to attack basically either move or size, otherwise you're getting one good swing on it, and that's it. Yep. So we kind of go into this game. I mean, that ended up hurting me. It ends up eventually killing Uncle Bog. Uh, turn late turn four you kill maw with that same type of uh, ability and you basically just end up i at that point i don't have enough ap and presence on the board to score spread them out so i only got one point from that yeah. and then i because you killed my rooster rider i only got one point from vendetta and i just didn't have enough hitting power to score anymore so i was capped out at four and that allowed you to get up to i think you got six points by the end of it because you yeah. you killed you killed enough and you had enough AP. Plus you had a sweet, uh, <laughs> you had a sweet second activation with the uh, blessed to kill Maw. That was good. And uh, the reason I didn't get the four points in the strategy is because you hit like after that, you did the smart thing instead of like fighting did me my for rooster. The point. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm just going to hide and deny you the points. You can try to chase me down, but good luck. Yeah. So you ended up getting that game. I think what six, four then was round one. Yep. Six, four uh, did not get the last point. Because in turn five, there was no targets. Yeah. There was a model that had uh, a token, but there were no targets. And it wasn't that bad. The differential was uh, two points there. So that's not terrible. Nope. So, yeah, you got one uh, one turn. Or I guess a, a win is technically three tournament points. Is that the way that works in the scoring system? And then I got none because I lost. It was okay, though, because even if I even losing one game day one, as long as you keep your differential close, that's not a terrible thing uh, because you can still kind of fight your way back at that point. Uh, but going into round two, uh, we kind of had to make sure that we <laughs> tried to make up for it. But this one was also interesting pool. It was flank carve a path with breakthrough, leave your mark in your face, set the trap and spread them out. So once again, really not a lot of killing. Like these pools are very interesting because it seems like either it's a Killy. I don't. E, e, I was gonna say round one was Killy, but also scheming. This one is scheming with. I guess if you really want, if you have bloodlust in your heart, you could do in your face. I guess. <laughs> Although bloodlust is not a bad thing for the master that you pick, specifically because uh, first mate exists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ended up picking Zoraida two, the swamp hag, and you ended up picking Colette two, the smuggler. Yep. Uh, this was an interesting game because this was pretty much our first interaction kind of really trying to play a, a real game with these masters. I think we both theory crafted and might've got some loose experience with them, but this was kind of our first time of like, okay, let's see what this does in a real setting. 
This is this was my either second or third game with Colette. This was my first game with this version of Zoraida. Correct. Which I can and, tell just from this game, I already like this a thousand percent better than the Obey Hag. Yeah, and I I want to say that the theory crafting just you knocked it out of the park because like you put it into action very fit, uh, efficiently. I was shocked. I was like, damn! It's like you've been playing this Cathedral for a while. Yeah, and I think well, a lot of the models I have played a lot. Like even though I haven't tried Zoraida two before. I mean, I had her and I brought the Kurgan and the Groot Slang, which those are probably the two models that I have the least experience with. So I was still feeling those out. Right. Uh, I brought the Spawn Mother because I thought stealth would be good. Uh, it, was. Out, it was until the doves were close enough and then you just messed me up that way. She did not die. No, she didn't die, but I wouldn't say she did anything besides hold an area down. Uh, yeah, which I true. guess is something you could I could have brought, you know, bad juju to do that better. <laughs> I, I think the the bad juju thing is for the Groot Slang because of what we're going to be talking about. But the Groot Slang is not a bad model. It's just yep. that in this specific pool, I think he, he wasn't actually doing anything well. Yeah. And then I brought the first mate with Uncle Bog as well. So definitely pieces that I'm familiar with. Whereas you brought the smuggler with three mechanical doves, uh, Carlos, Vasquez, Cassandra, Darian Crow, Harata with Soulstone Cash, which makes him super durable. Yes, And then sir. a miner and a showgirl with magical training. Yep. And I, uh, it, since then, I've like fixed a little bit the, the crew because I'm trying to like, get to use the showgirl. I yeah. don't know how to use the showgirl before this game. Well, I think you're also worried about putting your magical training model in danger. Correct. So that's also like a concern that you're trying to figure out that sweet spot of using the model but not losing your extra card yeah and and that seems to be the big issue that i have to learn about arcanist is if you're going to be playing with the arcane reservoir you need to be able to learn how to use that model and even good models like the silent one because the silent one in the first game i didn't get to use at all like yeah. i literally hid her in a corner and like healed whenever <laughs> i i, I please please don't get rid of my seventh card <laughs> yeah it, it honestly it's not worth uh, to do it for that, it's seven, seven to eight points in most yeah. crews, and you, I have to learn how to use it. I absolutely have to learn how to use it. Yeah, and I mean, you did a good job in this because I feel like you did a better job with the showgirl than you did the the silent one, because the showgirl was staring at the first mate and basically put enough distracted on him to not die, um, so that helped her out. But looking at the pool. I actually was looking at this and this is where I kind of started thinking about some traps that are kind of in this pool. Unless you just poop out a ridiculous amount of markers, I actually think taking spread them out into a carve the path pool is actually a mistake Mm. Uh, because I don't. So I let me caveat that. I think the way I played is definitely a mistake because I and you can attest to this. I like to not only move my markers, but I like to move my opponents into bad spots that force them to either fight in an area or forces them to, you know, move back to get it, basically make them retreat instead of advance. Yep. And that's kind of my goal in carve the path. So for me doing that, I don't think there's enough actions for me to also do spread them out. Yeah. If that, if I, that makes sense. Oh yeah. No. And I think I, I learned that lesson a little late because it happened. I, one of the main reasons why I lost this game is, yeah, I have a, an absurd amount of interacts, but I don't drop scheme markers with the interacts. I fought my way back 
yeah. to your because like one of the things that I know for a fact from Sarita too is action economy. The action economy, I mean, you think it's 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 only like two extra actions, but it really isn't. Like there's there's more, there's triggers, there's uh outside of activation pushing, and at the same time you're getting cards, you're summoning models that can actually like do schemes because the puppets can actually do schemes, especially in this game. One of the, the, the puppets that we talked about in, in many of our theory crafting and from experience I told you. The Ten Thunders uh, pet puppet is insanely good because even the turn that you summon it, it forces somebody else to do an interact action. And, and that came clutch in this game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there was a couple times where, one, Zoraida has that ability where you can discard a card when she interacts to have two models interact. So you discard two cards. Two other Swamp Fiends can also interact. Correct. And then I did turn one, I summoned the Shadow Effigy, so that way I can then have a little four inch range of being like, okay, you interact. Okay. Now you interact. And, and that definitely did help out um, as far as not only pushing my carve marker, but also pushing yours when it was near, when it was close enough. Yep. And, and this is actually funny. Yesterday when I was talking to the, uh, the Spanish podcast, you know, mm-hmm. the El Sotano, the honeypot, they taught me something really cool with that puppet. Yeah. Um, before, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Sarita activates, you can tell her to take the interact actions. And you can then use your once per turn ability to do- discard two cards and have two other Yeah, people. so it doesn't have to be during her activation. That is so disgusting. Yeah, I thought about that after. I was like, ooh, that would be really good for future games. I never had to do that. Uh, or at least I don't feel like I've never had to do that, but I'm so happy that I know about it now because <laughs> I'm definitely going to look for uh, opportunities to use it. Yeah. That's so cool, dude. Uh, also, Lock Your Brain says something pretty funny. He's like, Swamp Fiend versus Performer. As performers are pretty dependent on the triggers, how did the, how did the smell affect, affect you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the only one it affected was the soul stone miner because i only yep. brought the uh the blind fighter there the uh the groot slang and the soul stone miner stunned itself so it didn't matter <laughs> no, no 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 but i how can i say this you're right it only affected the soul stone miner but who the heck started an activation engaging you was sure. also important because like uh sometimes you had uh, like the dove. The dove is like a zero inch melee, if I remember correctly. So no, like, I, think, I think it's one. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a zero. I'm gonna double check, but it might it, be. But yeah, the point is zero. Yeah. So like, do you want to stun the the bird and be in base to base? Like, and I actually have to discard the card. I'm like, no, I'm just yeah. gonna fly away from here. Yeah, and that's another reason why I was like, I kind of miss bad juju because he's just a fat base in the middle of things that cause you to discard. Um, whereas I feel like the Groot Sling is kind of a flanker. It wants to be kind of in the shadows. It wants to be in the terrain and it wants to be picking off models, not in the fight. So, yep. yep. Um, He's yeah. incredibly good for like covert ops and yep. he is fairly good for like any, any like corner deployment stuff because he's going to be in the middle of the table immediately. Yeah. But in this specific mission, I don't think that he's good because he needs to interact. Yeah. And when he teleports, he can't interact. Yeah, and that's kind of, that's what I was thinking as well. When I was playing him, I was like, oh, this is a little less good here, but I still made use of it. He still uh, ended up pushing the rock at the end of the game, and then he also ended up 
helping with breakthrough. So that was something else because I took breakthrough and, um, and leave your mark. Whereas I think you ended up taking spread them out and, and breakthrough. You actually took both of those. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, uh, like I a said, lot, a lot of interacts that you had to do. Yeah. It was a good lesson because I never had gone through that choice that you said, where if you're playing carpet path, having spread them out, you know, you have to have a specific way to drop ski markers. Yeah. And I don't, my, the way that I do ski markers is literally by doing interact actions. And like I said, I have a lot of interacts, but you force more than 90% of them probably into having to go back and forth with the stupid carpet path markers. So it was interesting as it went. And I think with this pool, unless you are a very intensive, like scheming pool that just, it's almost like you have that Louisa effect Yep. that um, basically you just accidentally put down a bunch of ski markers. I would be very careful picking, spread them out and break through when you also have to do carve. Yes. And, and, and even in your case, even in your case, who uh, has dropped, Drop it, I think it's called. Uh, it's the one that you drop ski markers whenever you do the action. You have it on, on Sorida's yeah, uh, it's, Off um, the Path. Draw, draw Out Secrets. Yeah, so Draw Secrets on Sorida's Off the Path so you can do the push and then drop a ski marker. And, and then, then Weary have, Road with Bog. And then you have Bog. And, I, and literally, even with the extra dropping ski markers, you had a, a tough time pulling off your leave, your mark. Yeah. Because I keep removing them too. Yeah, I basically, it got to a point where we were both kind of scoring-ish our points for the strat, but we were kind of fighting over leave your mark because I think you, I think you could sense that I just had it because I'm in the middle of the board and it's like, I mean, you either have to use, and that's actually, I think what caused you some problems too. Mm -hmm. You either had to be like, okay, I'm going to use AP to deny this, but I don't think you realized it was denying you AP to score your schemes and stuff. Yes. Yes. And, and by the time I, I pivoted and I started scoring, because I, I did score three points mm-hmm. off the, the, the strat. Yeah. It, it, I had basically left my two schemes <laughs> dead. We got, we got to turn. So we got to turn five and I was like, Dixon, what are your schemes? You haven't even done anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did. I was like, well, I mean, I eventually got there, yeah. but it, it's my... Lack of experience playing the crew made me do a lot of small positioning mistakes or small like action economy kind of stuff. And by the time I I, like recovered, it was already too late. It was already too late. I got five points, but if I might as well have gotten only two. And I purposefully kept fighting you at certain specific, certain specific, but certain uh, instances in the game. Yeah. I remember there was a point where I could have really tried to dump into your, your showgirl with the first mate, but I was like, and I could have jumped out to go score my breakthrough. I think it was turn three, yep. but I, I was like, if I don't interact with your carve marker, you're just going to move it through and then there's no contesting and that's just scored. So I found it more valuable where I actually leapt in, I kicked my marker back and I also kicked your marker back which forced this whole interaction of like you having to turn some of your models around and be like, I got to go get the rock again. Yes, actually. Uh, and, and I know that before this, I said that uh, that was like the difference between a tie or a win. No, no, that was the difference between me winning or you either tying or losing. Yeah. That one decision. And this is the reason why this is the reason why I had set up that game after, after a while, I, I thought I remember it clearly. I had set up so that Carlos was going to push it then push himself five, then drop a ski marker in your deployment yeah. zone, which could give me 
the first point of breakthrough in turn four and to uh, an extra point to actually score my strategy because I already have one of my my carbo path over there. So basically, I literally had Carlos like within five inches of his deployment zone and I already had a carbo path up there. And all I needed to do is drop my carbo path past the midline and then drop a scheme marker in his deployment zone. And I would guarantee having that last point because he, he, at that point, he didn't have anybody else. But because he did that, he literally stopped whatever he was doing, jump in there, and then double interacted, actually, my uh, marker all the way into uh, his area. I, I wasn't able to actually score the point because we were playing on flank. Like, literally, the math, if you look at it, the point, it was, like, really weird because I he already had done the kicking thing to his carver path. So, literally, when he activated uh, Forest Mate, he had the enough uh, distance to jump into mine and double interact it back into my deployment area. It was stupid good. Also, because of the positioning of my models, he couldn't do it directly towards my deployment area. So instead, he kicked it to an empty space in the middle of a table behind a building. <laughs> so yeah, and it was Carlos, like yeah. Bog was Bog was decently close to it. So like next turn, Bog could have moved up and just started dicking with it. Bog was close enough that he could have a wary road, dropped a ski marker in the center of the table again for me to try to figure out a way to remove it. Yeah, because at this point you already had like two or three ski markers in the middle of the table, and yeah. I had none. And you put the base of Bog to block me from being within one inch of the center, so that I wouldn't deny it. So because of Literally, the entire consequence that I'm talking about, Carlos had to go back, shoot Bog, burn all of his uh, uh, ski markers in the center of the table, and then push my stupid marker into position so that then another model could push it back into his side of the table. It was just like... But the but the funny thing was, was after, after you burned those markers up, I went with the shadow effigy and just had him drop another one. <laughs> correct. Correct. And like he still got the point. It's just that... The the shenanigans that I had to like go through, it, yeah. my God. Yeah, well, like I said, it's so there's a couple of ways that I tend to play car. Sometimes I will attack one specific marker. It just depends on how I feel the game's kind of developing. So like I know the other game that we played a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I specifically used Wong to attack, you know, one of your of your carve markers. I got both of mine through kidnapped one of yours and you just were capped off not getting those points this game i was mobile enough where i was like okay i can sit in the center with this core and then i can use my mobility of these other three models to go ahead and try to score and deny you at the same time yeah yeah uh like how do i say i had the you had the experience from your side to see that she does have the action economy to actually get through all of that but when we were playing, I just couldn't do it. Um, I don't know if, if I could have done it better with well, by just like pushing. I, I think I think we would be uh, making an oversight here if we also didn't mention the seal fate trigger and how bad that was for Colette because so, it was bad. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't know I didn't have the experience with Colette to realize how important it is for the doves to be in position before Colette goes. Yeah. And four out of five turns, you did Seal of Fate on Colette. Yeah, basically, I was, I, I, after turn one, turn one, I did it just because it seemed good to have her just go. Um, but turn two on, I was like, if those doves aren't in a position where she can benefit from it, I'm going to make her go. That way she has to do something else. 
Yes. Like she's limited to her range and mobility. It was huge. It was much, much bigger than I realized. And the only reason I think that I score five points at all, or I had a chance to even win, is because one turn, the one turn that you didn't, I think it was like turn three. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. Like, oh, Colette's, you like seal fade on somebody else. And I was like, really? <laughs> and then I just took that opportunity to use Colette's uh, doves to put him in position and just basically slingshot one of the uh, the carbon path markers into his deployment zone. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's the seal fate is such an incredibly powerful uh, uh, thing for for us, right? Uh, but it also uh, either blind luck or knowledge of the enemy crew. Those are the two it, things. Yeah. And I think if you're playing Zoraida, I think that a, a model like Colette, like a master like Colette, where there's setup, it's really beneficial to have them go first. Now, if you were playing a beater, like let's just say you were playing, uh, I don't know, maybe you were playing Marcus 2 or something where it's like clearly you want to go kill something with Marcus 2, then I would be like, okay, activate your totem instead. Uh, more importantly, this is actually funny. Uh, personal knowledge if you tell me to activate miranda first i kind of cry inside a little bit miranda why because you want to activate miranda towards the end to heal up whatever damage she did Ah, yeah so so it's really funny because like if you activate miranda first then she's out of position and she hasn't actually done the thing that i brought her for sure (laughs) it's super fun yeah making all that's a great point like if you're if your opponent has a healer and nothing has damage be like cool go with your healer if you're playing against outcasts Force them to activate the hodgepodge emissary. Yeah. It almost wins the game. It depends because sometimes you want the hodgepodge to go first to give an upgrade and then discard the companion into him. So yeah, it, it does depend. And like you said, I think with Zoraida two, the more knowledge you have of your opposing crew, it, the stronger that ability is because you can really be like, I don't want that to happen right now. Yep. Go with that model instead. So by the way, the main reason. Uh, for the emissary to activate you're right if he activates he can still do useful things and whatever yeah. but he no longer has the manipulative uh thingy and he's already in a position that's probably problematic for him so unless yeah. he runs away yeah, you're gonna try of, to kill him yeah i was gonna say it gets rid of that manipulative yeah that's a great point for manipulative models too yeah. like and i did that with your showgirl but since you interacted, you then distracted the first mate. So I was like, well, that plan failed. <laughs> right. That's the model that you did. You activated the showgirl so that she wouldn't have manipulative. Yeah. And I was going to kill her. I was yes. like, absolutely going to kill that girl. And then she interacted twice, if I remember correctly. And put distracted two on the first mate. So I was like, yep. that plan is now not good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it, it is a great ability. And I definitely, it's it's way stronger than Zoraida's. Or not Zoraida's, it's way stronger than um, uh, Pandora's ability. Because Pandora's, you have to be in her aura. So if you're not in that, you can just avoid it. Yeah, well, not only do you have to be in her aura, she has to discard a card and then select the model in her line of sight. Yep. So it's like like so many levels of better than her. Because like you don't even have to look at the model. You just like, this guy, activate her. I just had to shake my head at some point. And I think you heard me just start laughing. I think there was one point where I was just like laughing and you're like, what are you, what are you, what's going on? I was like, dude, this card filtering is so nutty. Like the type of hand you get. Yes. It's like, you like I was just looking at it at one point and I had almost all severes in my hand. I'm just like, what do I even do with this now? And, and who, the, who do I kill? What do I point this at? 
So I wasn't even upset because I, I I was expecting you to have a hand that was on fire, but I'm I'm glad that you went through that because like often enough you 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 said to me it's like Dixon, how the hell do you have a 13 in your hand? I'm like, because I drew cards. So you're like, you keep saying that. You say it like you draw cards, like if that answers the question. And I'm like, because it does. That's literally there, the was, there was one turn during that game where I did draw a bunch of cards. But then I ended up drawing like a bunch of like mins and mods. So that was another time I was laughing. Where I was like, oh, I just drew a bunch of cards, but still have crap in my hand. So that felt good, too. Yeah. But I think the main thing is that it's I looked at my severes in my hand and I could have been like, cool, what do I go kill? But that but looking at the pool, that wasn't going to score me any points. So I think I used it more defensively. Like you tried to do things to me and I would just go over what you cheated or flipped. Yes, yes. Uh, Which I know is probably super frustrating on your side. That's why I didn't try to fight you. I tried to like make sure that your fighters were garbage. So at one point <laughs> in time, I think all of your guys had um like distracted three. Definitely. Yeah, was... all of your fighters were like completely uh I don't know, uh, they were neutered. Yep, yeah, they neutered. were neutered. But this yeah, this game ended up finishing up uh six five for Zoraida. Right. Uh, mainly because you, you didn't score your schemes until turn five. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, ugh, I, I focus so much on the mission that I, I don't like. I said, I, the things that I learned about this game is one, I need to learn how to use my uh, magical uh, training girl better yeah. on every one of these crews, and secondly, I need to. So I, I need to play Colette more so I, I actually learn uh, what to do if anybody forces my Colette before my doves are in place. Yeah, and just getting more reps in general, there's a lot going on with that crew where it's just you really need to figure out kind of the nuances of it and um, really how to because you can play you can play that denial game. But if you're not getting your points, it's like, OK, I'm I'm keeping this lower than, you know, a full score game, but I'm still not winning the game. And that's always the question you got to make. Plus, I did want to mention before we get into game three that I did summon Richard and he scored me points. So get wrecked. <laughs> I summoned Richard and he was able to uh, basically creep into your deployment zone and then start dropping schemes to score my breakthrough. That damn Richard. Nobody invited Richard. That damn Richard. Lawrence is fine-ish, but Richard needs to go to hell. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, and I asked you about this because you think sometimes it's a trap to summon the gator. So... It, I think there are instances like cursed objects and uh, obviously if they can get activation control and they get a pass token because they kill the gator. I do think that there's times where it's like not worth summoning him, but definitely in this case where Bog could just basically weir, uh, off the path him into your deployment zone and just start dropping schemes and stuff was definitely really good. It is tied 1-1 at that point. Up to this point, basically after round two, it's tied 1-1. Um, basically I got three tournament points. So do you. So at that point, we're kind of in the same area of standings for the last round of day one of the Richmond open. So, and we pretty much have the same differential too. This time it's pretty much dead. Even you and I would be in the same spot yes. um, because we didn't get blown out of the water either game. Yeah. But game three of day one is standard deployment, which apparently Dixon forgot was a deployment. And, <laughs> and guard the stash with hidden martyr, set the trap, public demo, assassinate, and sabotage. So even this pool isn't super killy. It's kind of funny. I'm looking at these pools and I'm just like, 
these are not like they have like a sprinkle of combat, but whoever designed these really wanted to make the games more interesting than just fighting, which I can appreciate, but I definitely get that vibe day one where it's like, man, this is a, a very either scheme heavy pool or it is a good mixed pool. This one's a good mix of both. Yep. 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 I don't know if I would, if I was a Killy player, which I am, <laughs> I would be hesitant to pick things like assassinate and fight random models because hidden martyrs in the pool. Right. Because if you go Killy and you kill too much and they score their hidden martyrs, you might give them two points. So you got to be aware of that. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think of this pool before we decide which masters we played here, Dixon? What, what were you think? What were you thinking? Honestly, um, how can I say this? I don't think that the crew that I was playing was especially good for this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I like I said, this is the first time I lost with uh, Raspy. Yeah, I think Raspy's actually decent into this because she does have a lot of pushes, so you can push your models into the guard areas, but you can also push my models out. Yes. So I had to be aware of that going into this. Right. So I don't think she was bad for it. Plus you can also set up a nice enough ice pillars to block me off from areas. I can't. This version of Raspi doesn't actually do that. Yeah, you don't put up as many. You only put up like what, maybe a couple during the turn. I can put technically four per activation, but I'm, okay. then I'm doing nothing else. Okay. Whereas uh, the other Raspi can put up like six or more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Per okay, activation, so you, so you and have, she's doing other stuff. So you have more pushes and probably fighting potential, but you have less manipulating the board um, technically, I guess. Correct. I'm not blocking as much terrain, but also uh, putting blocking terrain doesn't actually do anything against the crew that you picked. Well, I was going to say, so... You you picked Raspy and I was like, okay, this is just a Maw pool. Like there's yep. enough Maw has a lot of pushes, a lot of tricks. Like this is where I want to be. I could have picked Zoraida here as well. Correct. Uh, but I just thought that Maw just had more in the bag for this one. So yep. picking Maw, I was like, okay, like we're not doing this game again. It's like I'm gonna pick Mecha Me Maw because I'm gonna go ahead and have heaps of trash. That way, if Dixon puts that stupid aura up again, I can just ignore it. And I'll be fine. The it, Okay, so I, I have to say this part because a lot of people apparently don't know this. But Mecha Mima ignores severe... Uh, so, blah, she ignores... No, 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 no. no. I want to say the entire thing. Oh, but okay, I wanted to see it. But anyway, she ignores severe, hazardous, vertical distances, and models who are moving, right? Mm, yep. But she also extends her immunity to hazardous to all friendly Trixie models. Within 12. Within 12. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Because that means that my golem just didn't do anything for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. And so that was the big thing where I was like, yeah. And I did misread that, though, a little bit. Because you technically don't ignore blocking terrain. So she can climb up things. But if it's blocking, she can't. Right, but that's part of the no, no, not blocking. Sorry, uh, impos impassable. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Impassable. Impassable. She doesn't ignore impassable terrain because technically all the walls, whenever you're climbing, are counted as uh, blocking. Yeah, sorry, she, I did misspeak. Yeah. I meant impassable. Uh, she doesn't ignore that. So even though you, it was height four pillars that you have, I couldn't ignore them to climb up them because they were impassable. So I wasn't able to do that. But the rest so, of it was good. Yeah. So. 
one less action that I have to deal with. I mean, you can also, you have Thriller Driller or something like Oh my gosh, he looks so good. Sorry, guys, uh, he's putting uh, his uh, version of Mecha Mima. The clip, my Calypso Mecha Mima. It's just so cool looking. It really is so cool looking. But anyway, uh, to, to specify, he has like three or four models in the entire crew that can just like destroy terrain whenever he feels like it. I know because I play the crew. Yeah. Yeah. So basically there was a couple of times where the pillars you did have down, either when the Soulstone Miners activated, they just destroy them um, yep. with within one. Yep. But then also Thriller Driller, just within three, they just, boom, destroy all destructible. Yep, as an action. So, like, they pop from the ground. Thriller, Which you, driller, you thought was a right. bonus because I unburied and did it, and you are like, isn't that a bonus? I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I literally, that was like, I was counting on, on okay, he's going to come out of the ground so he can't do Thriller Driller. You're like, no, it's a normal action. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no trigger or anything, just boom. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, getting into what we brought, though, you actually brought the same list. So to kind of refresh people's memory of that, you brought the second version of Rasputina, the Wendango, Mechanical Rider, Ice Golem with the Soulstone Cache, Blessed, December, Silent One, and Occult Geist. And then... And, I, and the Silent One has the magical training. Yes, has the magical training. This time I brought Mecha Meemaw, but because her defense sucks so much... I felt like I wanted to put the two gremlins in a ghillie suit to get disguised. Right. Uh, just because her defense is bad. You don't want her taking more hits than she needs to. That um, actually made all the difference in the world because yeah, one well, of the tricks yeah, with her is I charge to punch you in the face through an ice pillar. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. With And then I also have Little Last, Two Soulstone Miners, Rockhopper, Bryn, LeBlanc, and then Uncle Bog. So... I I felt way better in this matchup with this list versus the original just because of um, the armor, because of your shielding, because of the hazardous aura that you can put out. Uh, so this one just, it felt better. It felt nice having armor two models. So that was really good as well. Um, yeah, it just, I, this felt better. And I still unpacked it very similar to the way I unpacked Maw 1. So that wasn't different. And I really feel like, honestly, with Big Brain Bryn and Uncle Bog, you still get a lot of the card draw that you get from the original Maw. So that helps kind of get a little more of the consistency that you get with Maw 1. So that helped too. Yeah. Now you're you're picking up what I was saying about Uncle Bog uh, like about two months ago when I said this yeah. model is insane and you're going to see him in every crew because card cycling is nuts. Yeah, I don't think you need him in every crew, but I think because he gives extra movement and he also has Weary Road and he also just summons a gator if he wants and then he does filter your cards. And I'm, honestly, I love Gremlin Table Manners. I think that's a great trigger. Just kind of yes. look at cards and discard some. Yep. So he just, he really helps. One, he has Laugh Off, which is also huge. So he really helps hold an area down, which I think gremlins tend to struggle with because a lot of gremlin stuff is squishy and doesn't like sitting. Uncle Bog just likes to sit in his chair on top of his gator. He's cracking a cold one open and he's just holding it down, just telling people where to go and what to do. Yep. And, and it's kind of funny because like his quote unquote worst things are the things that are angler based and they're still good. Yeah. Dropping a, a severe marker that then also gives him plus flips on defense is literally the worst quote unquote things in his card, and they're still good. It makes him defense six with a positive when you attack him uh, against his defense, which is super good. 
And randomly, sometimes if somebody is a zero inch range of melee and they don't ignore severe, it, it actually defends them. I know it sounds stupid, but I have literally asked them, I was like, do you have uh, unimpeded? And they're like, no, I guess you don't get to me. Yeah, and he, al <laughs> he also has uh, built in uh, tear off a bite so he can heal himself up. Yes. So if you focus him down, he can be like, cool. Well, instead of drawing cards, I'm going to bite you twice and heal four. And it's suited. Yeah, it's built it's in. So that's why. Why? Yeah, <laughs> that is dumb. I think like he has a lot of good stuff on his card. I actually think that's the one thing that just feels a little unfair. Right. Because it's like, oh, I, I brought him down and now you just attack me twice or you can even attack your own models if you really want. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. can summon you can summon Richard and then just eat him. Yep. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I have chomped on the little last, not going to lie. You monster. <laughs> yep, yep. I was like, activate, little last, om nom nom twice. Nice. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like that list. And going into it, turn one, we both kind of turn one played a little conservative. There wasn't anything too crazy. Um, I noticed that with the with Rasputina 2, you like summoning your little riflemen there. What are they called? The uh, Acolytes? The Acolyte. Yeah, why yeah. do you like summoning those early in the game? Honestly, they are super good for for what it cost me to summon them, which is a stone and an eleven. Uh, that's why, honest. That's it. That's they they shoot a gun, uh, stat six, and they have now they have armor one and they're not living. And if they die, they make me an ice pillar. So they have tools for the job. So you can cook in a crow, and they draw also you true. they draw you a card, which is good. Yeah, also uh, true. The tools for the job is actually like the best thing about them, and I I'm so sad that I forgot because how many times did it happen in our game where like I have like crap cards in my hand, and I just read Joker, and you're in your activation, I'm like, give me that red Joker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and plus you have so you have a mutilate on both your melee and your uh, and your harpoon gun. So that helps set up a lot of things that you like to do with your other crew. Plus it's taking the, it, you know, the efficiency away from my crew. So it's just, a, it's a solid, I think, like turn yep. one, just, hey, let's get it out there. Yep. Also he's size one, so he pairs very well with the Blessed December. He's eight points or less, which- Well, he's size two, he's not size one. I'm sorry, uh, size two, and he pairs well with the mechanical rider. I said yeah. those, those two. So because of that, like he he can just join the the mechanical rider in his missions, and yep. he can still do schemes. He just can't do uh, the strategy. Yeah, and it's a solid model. It has analyze weakness, which almost came up in this game. It did actually. If I succeeded, I was able to actually fight back. That was actually huge. And I and it, he failed because your hand was just on fire. Uh, yeah. I mean, just the card filtering was good, and you ended up running out of cards at a certain point. And then I, I actually was down to my last two and I was like, okay, what does Dixon have left? But I was like, no, I don't want my rock hopper to not have his armor. And so I had to cheat like a 12 for it to not go off. Yep. Also very, very sad thing that happened. Uh, I finally got to see what happens when you drop somebody down a hole uh, with moth from the other side. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was the thing that started because I got the first activation because I, one, my hand was looking pretty good when I drew it up. Yep. Um, so I was like, cool, I'll cheat to go first. I had a couple of masks in hand. So I was like, like a couple of high masks. So I was like, I can pretty much kidnap what I want. And your ice golem was the problem last game. And I was like, you know, I don't think that ice golem wants to be in my pit trap. So let's see what we can do. Because yep. I just happened to have like one by Maw 
And then I had another one behind my building and near my deployment zone next to my rock hopper. Yep. So I was like, cool, I'm going to, I had to walk around your ice pillar, but then I charged, I got it. And also Mog ignores armor and resist triggers, which is really good. Oh, so, that came <laughs> up in this game. It did. So I toss your doodad into the, um, into the pit trap next to me. And then I got the trigger again. And then I threw you over by the rock hopper. So you end up taking two damage, injured two. And I think you took, you might have took like three damage because I think you stunned or stoned some of it. So so to, to recap this, because you had set up a good hand from the turn one and then you yeah. drew more cards and you, you set it up again yeah. you know, to have like multiple face cards, right? So the reason why that's important and I'm mentioning it is you cheated at 13 and I didn't have a 13 to force you. Yeah. And then you did all the stuff that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Because if I had gone first, the first thing I would have done, knowing how Ma plays, is to pin the golem yeah. into the ground. And that being said, let's go back to your story where you're <laughs> finally destroying the golem before I have a chance to fight back. And because of all the card cycling and card drawing that you did, I had no chance in hell. Yeah, and actually, I did more than three because I think by the time you got to the rock hopper, I think your ice golem only had like three or four health left. Yes, uh, he had no, no, no. He stoned and, and actually prevented very well, so he okay. had six health left. But he was in a pit trap next to my other guy that could ignore armor. Yes, and and to top it all off, he was engaged uh, by him uh, with his two inch reach, and yep. I was defense two at that time. Yeah. <laughs> you made an interesting decision because you decided not to activate the golem in the middle of my crew. Correct. What, were you, what was your thought process there? Um, I mean, we talked about it during the game, so I'm just gonna like, like, lo long story short, I freaked out. I, <laughs> I freaked out. Dixon was getting upset. Well, not only was I upset, I had no idea what to do. Take care, Loki, man. <laughs> yeah, Lodi. Later, Loki. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, we'll see you around. I hope. <laughs> Also, if I see you in Houston, dude, look for me. I am horrendously bad at, at like dealing with like social gatherings, so I'm hoping that I'm not gonna be a, a bad experience. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. All right. So anyway, back to the 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 thingy. Uh, yeah, no, I freaked out, dude. Like, I had no idea what I was gonna do. I didn't know what actions to take. I really was out of my mind at that point, and uh, yeah, I chose to try to save him when I should have just let him die. So what was your plan to save him? Originally was to try to push him off of the, the stupid thing, but because he was engaged, my ability to push him is a gun. Well, how are you going to push him? My ability. Uh, the, I have a member of the gun that I have that I can shoot and then push him four inches out. So were you going to shoot your own model or were you going to shoot the rock hopper? Uh, either or really was the idea, but I didn't have high cards in my hand and it's a stat six against your movement four. So I thought maybe if I hit the rock hopper, it's good enough, but I didn't have a good, uh, angle and I only have one action. But if I did that, you had no friendly models within four. So then you can push right back to where he was when he activates, I couldn't pin you into the ground. Because when he activates, I think he destroys all or no, no. Uh, so that was the one. That was the one. What I needed to do was concentrate, shoot the rock hopper and pin him to the ground with a stone. Right. Yeah. 
if I had the high cards, which I think I had like a 12 at that point. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. Instead, I tried to shoot the rock hopper to push him into range and then punch him in the face and then summon a cat, which was a terrible choice in my opinion. Yeah, and it was tough to save the Golem 2 with another model because Sparks was there, so hostile work environment would have prevented you from targeting the Golem. So that was another problem. I didn't even know that. that oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I, can't, I couldn't even shoot him directly even if I wanted to. Yeah, because I was keeping an eye on it. I was like, is he going to pull him out? Like I was trying to, I, I, I thought you had a trick. So I was like, oh, Dixon's going to pull something off. But I got Sparks right there. Uh, yeah. But, but you tried to do something. I mean, you did push the Rock Hopper into Severe. Right. And then you hired the little cat thing. Right. But because I wasn't near any friendlies, I just pushed out of your melee and then charged the Ice Golem and finished him off. Yep, you teleported four inches. Oh, not teleport, sorry. You push four inches in the direction, and then you charge me with your two-inch melee and just smack, smack twice, and he did. Yep. In the arm. Actually, it was funny, because like, I think you hit me for a uh, red joker. Yeah. <laughs> you hit me for a red joker for, for six uninterrupted damage. And I was like, yeah, he, he just kill him. Just, just fucking kill him already. <laughs> He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> So mad. I was so mad. Good Lord. But then after that, I, I tried to recoup, but I don't think I could have at, at that point because most of my game plan revolved around the ice golem and you just destroyed him. It, well, it made it where I really could control the board at that point with my threats because, you know, I had some heavy hitters. I had some, you know, good tech pieces. Uh, Sparks did end up going down, I think, turn three just because you had some really good flips against him. Yeah, um, I, and I think I, I think I, well, I think I also black jokered uh, some damage mitigation as well. Yeah, I mean, I hit him for like five twice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah bad. But uh, I could, just couldn't kill Ma. Uh, one of the things that kept stopping me, I know that I mentioned it before, but disguise that disguise upgrade, uh, I couldn't charge her. Most mm-hmm. of my shenanigans is by like charging, getting a shielded, punching her in the face. Uh, you can't do that to her. So I instead I charge. Uh, I charge instead of hitting Ma, I hit uh, Sparks, and then Sparks. I lucky luck second to hit him with a double severe. So I was like, "All right, I guess I'm killing you now." And then I finished him off with a focus punch. But other than that, I really, I had no way in my head to actually beat you. Well, I, I need to like replay that in my head somehow. Well, in the way, and it, and basically the final nail in the call, coffin was, uh, I think it was, tur- I think it was actually like pretty. That might have been late turn three. Um, I actually took Maw into your mechanical rider and brutalized the mechanical rider. Um, I think you were trying to use mechanical rider to, I think you appropriately sniffed out I had assassinate. So I think you were using the mechanical to try and delay me for like a turn and a half. Correct. But I got lucky on uh, one of the flips and just did straight up five, you know, uh, damage that you couldn't reduce and ignored your armor. That's also correct. I didn't even have armor. And that tilted you a little bit too. Yeah, Mechanical Rider doesn't have armor. You just ignore my resistance trigger, which is the reason why I can't actually defend myself against yeah. Maul. Maul's just like, come here. Yeah, you, I you have... Drill into that mechanical steed of yours. My biggest defense is having uh, Heart of Wound. And yeah. in the Heart of Wound, I think you still like hit me for a severe anyway. Yeah, I did. Oh, I remember why. You red joker the hit and I flipped a one. Yeah. And that's the reason why. Yeah. And then I cheated in the sphere. Yeah. And you just like, well, and I, dude, I have to say that 
if you haven't played with or against Trixie before with somebody who really sculpts it out really well, there is nothing like using Bog and using Bryn to then just sculpt out this hand, but then also with calculate, you're getting all this garbage into your discard pile. And then the last like 20 cards of your deck just has fire in it. So that is is so brutal. This is a thing that I try to block out of my head, but I, I, it's, it's still there. It's living then free. Pete had 14 cards in the deck after he did the Bryn thing. And he was about to insert three severes. The highest severes that he had in his discard pile. Yep, they were all thirteens. No, 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 no. It was a one thirteen and two twelves. Oh, the other thirteens were still in the deck. Yeah, exactly. That means out of seventeen cards, you had all four thirteens in there and two twelves at yep. the very least. That's one in three. One yeah, in three. I, of I was going cards. through there, and it was like you were saying, like most of my deck was in the discard, and I was just like, wow, there's only like one thirteen in my discard. This is gonna be pretty good. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, my models are dead. There is no, there's no hope. Because <laughs> literally it's one in three of your cards are going to be a, a fucking high card. It's going to be a 12 or higher. And that's important to note as the Maw player is you don't want to blow your wad early in a turn. Because as the turn starts to progress, you're going to see that if you haven't flipped a lot of severes, the bottom of your deck is going to be fire. So sometimes with Maw, it's really a feel kind of game because if you don't have a lot of severes in your hand, you might hit them early. And if you notice that, you just kind of want to keep going. But if you notice you aren't hitting a lot of high cards, it's like, okay, let's activate Bryn and let's get some of this crap out of my deck. Let's bring some of those severes back. And then the rest of this deck is going to be fire. Yeah, there's there's a a hard uh swing i mean you, you can be unlucky and flip like eight severes out of your deck whenever yeah. you calculate the possibilities but there's a good swing that you have to like kind of gauge whenever you're playing maw because if if there's like 20 cards left and you do Bryn's special ability you make it so that the last 13 cards are going to be just blazing hot basically yeah. yeah or at least you know what's coming you're like Okay, so I know that these three 13s are going to be in the discard pile, and then whatever left of the 13s uh, of the high cards are going to be there. So, therefore, how many cards divided by that number? Boom, done. Yeah, and you can also use calculate the possibilities to fish for the black joker if you're like getting towards the end and you're like, okay, I know the black joker's in here. I got to get it out. Yep. Um, I've also used that, like you said, to I've been maybe at the beginning, I flipped a lot of severes. So, I'm like, okay, I want to get some of those severes back in my deck. Let's do yep. that. So there's different ways to play Bryn. And once you get a good feel for him, I just, I love his intuition, man, because there's times where it's like you see the top three cards and you know you want to calculate, but then maybe you also want to do a sober up. And if you get the right suit, you can like sober up and heal another friendly model. Yep. Or you can sober up and stun an enemy model. Yep. So it, it, there's just a lot of cool things that you can do when Bryn activates that you just really start to play with and feel out. Which you actually did. You removed a slow on Ma and gave her focus yeah. at one point in time. There's there's a lot. Okay, so because of that, I just want to point out on my side of the table what I did. I, I don't know if you remember, but I literally tried very hard across like three activations to try to get the Black Joker out of the deck before I activated the Ice Golem. <laughs> it's like your last card, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the last card, but like literally I had to like take a healing flip that I knew it was going to fail. Yeah. I was like, I need this card out of the deck because I've been wasting three activations from these three models, just flipping extra cards. Yeah. 
and and like I couldn't get it out. But that's the only way that I could find to try to fight off Moth. Well, Unfortunately, I didn't get the Black Joker out of the deck, but I increased my chances of having a successful fight with the Ice Golem. Yeah, the good news is you had Hidden Martyrs, so it was the Ice Golem and your Wendango. Unfortunately, yeah. after your Ice Golem died, you also had a uh, a Miner staring down your your Wendango. Yes. <laughs> so you also, weren't you didn't have enough time to run away. No, I did. I did try. I put terrain in front of him. Yeah. Uh, so he had to activate, destroy the terrain and get himself ready for the following turn. So yep. he only lasted like one extra turn. And I failed to give him slow after that. Because like you activated, destroy the terrain. And then I was like, I activate the, the, the healing girl and try to slow you down. And both times you dodged it out of the way. I was yeah. so mad about that, by the way. Yeah, and then you did take Sabotage, which you were able to get a point from the summoned yep. Horcat that you, you brought. Yeah, summoned Horcat by himself just scored, moved. I mean, drop a scheme marker, move, drop a scheme marker, done. Yep, so you were able to get that. So this one ended up being, unfortunately for you, because you couldn't have any pressure on the guard the stash markers on my side. Yes. And I was starting to push you back towards your deployment because you, were, you just didn't have anything to hold the ground. I didn't have the cards to push uh, Maw three times this game. I really yeah. don't. I, I tried. I tried multiple times to actually push Maw in a position where it was bad. But between Bog and Bryn, uh, you remove slow, so I couldn't slow you down. Uh, you could destroy the terrain that I pin you down to the ground. So that, that doesn't work either. Like, there's so many little things... <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there were so many little things that Motto just destroys Raspi. Because Rasputina, I don't consider her a high tier. I consider her mid tier. Yeah. Uh, she's very fair, but she's very powerful whenever she's fighting into a good matchup for her. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's definitely playable. Uh, you can definitely win with her. Uh, but mm -hmm. like you were saying, she's mid tier. Like she'll she'll win you some games and you can do some really cool things with her and, yep. and get your points. Uh, I just think once your your kind of tanky you know models went down because of the anti armor and stuff, and then dropping into the pit traps, it was just like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, like as soon as the ice golem went down, that's like fifty percent of the damage in my crew. That ended up happening. Um, There's also your blessed kind of got caught in the mix and was starting to take damage from like the little ass and other models as well. Um, yep. I mean, he was fine. Uh, the Blessed December was going to live and uh, touch one of the, the back, uh, whatchamacallit. The problem yeah. was I didn't have more than one. I could yeah. not cap more than one. And yeah. the cat, the whore cat pride, even though that she technically won her side of the table, she doesn't count yeah, for, for the, the strategy. Pride, yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I unfortunately, I just didn't have enough pressure to score more than one point from the strategy. Yeah, so I ended up getting a hidden martyr point just because you didn't kill. Uh, you might have killed my soulstone miner. You were kind of in there with I think the blessed was kind of next to him. I could have killed it with with uh, um, Rasputina very easily, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so even if you do kill it or don't, I at least got got one point for my hidden martyrs. The other one was the rock hopper, and then I basically. I think you would have made it where I probably didn't get both points for assassinate, but I would have gotten one for assassinate because you really started. You're like, ice pillar, ice pillar, run, ice pillar, ice pillar, run. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, uh, literally, it was like 
put up walls in front of me, get the hell out of dodge. Because I told you, it's like I can technically summon four, yeah, and push people out of the way. But honestly, it's not worth. It's just not. It's worth. not. Yeah, it's not. You can do denial that way, but it's not going to. Oh no, no. I mean, points. in this specific match, it didn't work because you have so many models that sure. can just destroy the ice pillar, yeah. remove the slow, push her back into position, go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this one ended up being six three for Mecha Meemaw. Um, yeah, you just you really kind of lost your important pieces too early to kind of fight those positions. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it, it it was like I I think I underestimated Mecha Meemaw into this matchup, but it def this game definitely gave me a lot of matchups for Mecha Meemaw where I was like, okay, I can see the type of matchups I want to bring this into. Yep. And a lot of the issues I had with kind of the lack of card draw. Bryn and Uncle Bog really kind of help with the missing of Maw One. Yep. So, and both and both of them actually do double duty. Yeah. Bryn does healing and buffing as well as card draw. And yep. Bog does movement shenanigans and card draw, you know. And scheming, I guess. So he does three. Definitely. So yeah. Oh, uh, uh by the way, uh really great matchup, at least in my opinion. Uh Transmortis. Transmortis. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Von Stuck. Ma versus Von Stuck. I think, yeah, it, you ignore the armor and you True. get them out of position. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Also, no defensive triggers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that too. Um, there's a lot of matchups where it's like if they have a lot of dumb resist triggers, if they have uh, armor, uh, that's definitely... And if they can't ignore the pit traps, that's just good. That's huge, yeah. Holy so, crap. Yeah, so after day one, I end up with six tournament points to your three because I got two wins, one loss. You have one uh, one win, two losses. So, But the differential is pretty much the same. There's really not a big differential between us. I think I come out plus one and you're maybe minus one Yeah, um, as far as the differential goes. Yeah, I mean, in this case, you, you get top eight. Uh, probably, I mean, definitely, I'm sorry, you get top... 16 if it's a big turn like if we talk about like a Pokemon yeah. tournament like if this was the uk you probably would not be breaking uh top 16 <laughs> because yeah. in the uk like the the differentials are like plus six yeah, so i think they're gonna have at least 20 something if not 30 something at richmond so i mean right. after day one that's pretty respectable that would be in the top half um right. maybe not towards the top you know 10 just because my differentials low right uh but that you know that's fine that's still where i'd want to be so after day one, I'd be kind of towards the top half. You're kind of like leaning towards the bottom half. So how right. does that change your mind going into day two when you're at a two-day tournament and you're like, okay, I had, it was a good day one because we had good games, right. but you're not playing for prizes really at this point. So what what's your mindset going into day two? Oh, just get more tournament experience. The only way that you get better is, is by playing the best. Yeah. So like if you... If you want to get good without actually playing the good players, that's a huge mistake. You have to take your losses on the way. So I would be learning, like I said, like we were talking about before, I need to figure out a way to use my my magical training better. I need yeah. to be using uh, my movement shenanigans better. So that's what I've been looking for the last two games. It's just, okay, so I lost because of this. How can I get better at that? And just start paying attention for those key points in the middle of the game. I'm not playing for prizes anymore. But I'm definitely getting some experience out of this. Yeah. So, would you play the same two masters day two, or would you try something else? 
No, I I, st- I said I was gonna run through both of them, and I stick through it. I did the same thing with Pandora in one of the Vassal tournaments, and I went two and two. Looking at day two for me, obviously still competing. Um, I I don't have the pools in front of me for day two, but I imagine it's gonna be. Um, obviously, you're gonna have Cover in there somewhere, so that's still good. And then um, probably. I imagine maybe cursed objects again. Usually people like to see that twice, but I would probably still play the same masters, just play Maw and Zoraida again, just to kind of keep that going. Uh, maybe depending on the pool, I would think about zip into uh, covert zips, usually pretty good into covert ops, uh, but Maw and Zoraida can also do that. So um, I think you can play a strong game into day two with uh, those two bio masters. I got them right here, and I think you are correct with your two. Yeah. My two, I'd probably be struggling a little bit with Raspi. Uh, give me one second. It's it's a wedge or round four wedge covert ops. Yeah, this is where your boy, the the Grusland, he sings. He, he this is his best mission. Okay. Yeah, and because his wedge is a little bit harder, uh, but you can still use him. You sure. just have to, like, last activation of turn two or turn three or four, you know what I mean? Just drop yeah. into a place where your opponent doesn't want to be and just start dropping layers, too. Because yeah, what, what's the strat for round five? Uh, round five is corner guard the stash. Uh, what are the pools for that corner guard the stash one? Uh, spread them out, set the trap, load them up, assassinate, and in your face. So that one, I would do Maw, and I would bring three Bushwhackers into that round five. Because you can yeah. easily score a load them up with that. Okay, that's fair. But how are you going to do the guard the stash part? I just kind of do it in the wings and kind of try to sneak by. Man, I would love to see that. I mean, we can definitely play these for <laughs> sure. Yeah, we might, but... Um... I, I also just want to try that because corner guard or corner um, load them up is just really good for those bushwhackers. And yep. I mean, that's only 18 stones for three, for three bushwhackers. So you can yep. still bring a pretty solid list besides the bushwhackers. Absolutely. So yeah, I'd have, I'd have to play that out. Plus it depends on which faction I was playing against and then which master they hired. Um, if it's somebody who's like a powerhouse, like puts out a lot of damage, I probably wouldn't do it. Mm. Um, just because the bushwhackers are very uh, squishy. Yeah, I mean, you do know that I'm bringing Raspy on this one, so yeah. yeah I don't yeah, know about so I, you. <laughs> I don't know if I'd do it there then, but if it was somebody who was a little less fighty, I I would do it for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, th- I think that's an interesting two two days of Malifaux. So um, mm. definitely interested to see how that plays out for all the people that go to the and hopefully this give them some kind of insight for it. Yep, 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 yep. So looking at tournaments, we did mention this, the patrons, but I think it's also worth mentioning to the general public here. But we did decide basically to kidnap Dixon off the island for the Houston GT in October. So we're going to hopefully get him on a plane. And uh, I don't imagine it's probably too far of a plane flight from there to Houston. So that shouldn't be too bad for you. No, I mean... It's like, what, six hours, seven hours, something like yeah, that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So the the thing that I'm excited about is like meeting uh, folks, obviously. Yeah. I'm not going to be playing at the tournament, but I am going to be playing uh, whenever I'm not, you know, helping out. I'm going to be playing like casual games. So if anybody wants to get a, a, a casual game, please let me know. I'll try to separate like some time for you. Oh, so you're you're not planning on doing the tournament. You're just hanging out and playing rando games. Yeah, I, I since... uh. 
you know, the, the Patreons and, and, you know, the podcast has been helping me to try to get out of the island to go meet them. I figured I'd be helping out more than anything else. Well, and you can just, <laughs> you and Doug would be like two peas in a pod. Doug is a madman, so I'm sure yeah. you guys would have some beautiful conversations while just doing Malifaux stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, like, it's not like I don't know my rulings at the very least, and yeah. I'm going to have my iPad throughout the day to, like, get rulings out and make sure that everything is good to go. Did you reach out to Doug already? Absolutely, yeah. That was the first thing I did when we were having that conversation and you told me that I could go. I was like, for real? It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we can actually get you to, to Houston. I was like, oh, my God. And then I thought about it a little bit, and I was like, you know what? I mean, this is very nice, but I feel like I need to do something more for the community. So I talked to Doug, and Doug said, hell, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see as we get closer. Uh, we're trying to aim for, you know, as many players as we can. We have enough players for like 70 plus players. And I'll say, hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah, Doug's trying to make it like the tournament of the year. So, yep. Um, which I actually, I've told people this. And when I talked to Doug about the tournament, did it as well. Um, I like that GT better than the conventions because you don't get all the stupid foot traffic from all the other convention nonsense. Yes. So... I, I like that and I like Captain Con better than going to like, you know, Chicago and DC and Las Vegas. I'm actually interested in Las Vegas. I'll probably do that one of these years. Absolutely. But, um, you Captain, should Captain Con's fun. I like oh, Captain yeah. Con in Rhode Island. Yeah, Captain Con was is uh wait, I'm pretty sure that I went to Captain Con for War Machine. Ball. Oh, War Machine. No, I went for War Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hella fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, the Las Vegas thing, every single person that I've talked to, I want to do it. I want to yeah. do it because every single one of my friends that has ever gone to a convention on Vegas, they said it's a blast. Well, but... Las Vegas open is very much tabletop heavy. Yes. So you don't get as much of the other stupid con stuff that you get. Like if you go to like Adepticon or if Gen you go con. to Dragon Con, Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be good because obviously I'm playing in it. Uh, you're going to be kind of helping run it. We're going to go. We're going to be eating food and drinking some beers and stuff. So yep. it's it's going to be a really fun time. Uh, got a lot of the Texas people coming, trying to trying to promote early. And actually, Doug posted something out where if you actually um, if you buy your tournament tickets before sometime in August they're actually designing a special fate deck. So if you buy your tickets before then you'll actually get one of these fate decks that Doug designed. That is so sweet. I mean, if anybody has seen it, Doug is actually a designer. He, he does things for miniature gaming in general, and he has done some really cool stuff for Malifaux as, you know, terrain cards, even model conversions. So honestly, look at, look at his website. If you're ever interested in getting one of those. Yeah, and I'm gonna pull it up right now, just cause. So, yeah. So if you get if you register by August 25th, you get a custom fate deck, and he uh, posted that everywhere. So you probably saw it. He put it in like the weird forums and discords and everything else. So, um, yeah, definitely. If you can make it to Houston, okay. Texas, October 13th to the 15th, you, you definitely will be a good time. We'll be there. Uh, a lot of people they're going to be there. A lot of competitive Texas people are going to be playing. They got a lot of fun stuff. They have like a casino brawl on Friday. They have the henchman hardcore thing on Saturday evening. They have two days of the tournament. So, and they got a bar and and grill thing right there inside the store. And the store is really cool looking. So, uh, and if you don't if you don't want to play in the tournament, I mean Dixon's just kicking around. Get a couple fun games with Dixon in real life. 
and honestly, I'm gonna see if I can actually also make a, an event kind of like Henchmer Hardcore, but I'm gonna do it more for like the RPG people. I'm t- I'm sorry, I don't like Henchmen Hardcore. No, I mean most people don't, <laughs> but like the people that do like it, it's super crunchy. So they love the breaking the game well, aspect. Of that's it. the problem. Is like I went into it like, oh, let me play this funny list, and then a couple people were like, oh, look at this broken little henchman yes. combo. There and- is nothing like breaking henchman hardcore for some of the players, man. Yeah. So, whatever. Honestly, after day one of a Malifaux tournament, I don't feel like playing henchman hardcore anyway. So I was like, hey. Next year, that's all you. I'm not doing Henchman Hardcore next yeah, year. But I mean, this is one of the good, the greatest aspects of Malifaux, in my opinion, is the fact that you can pretty much play an RPG with them. Yeah, you really can. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I I would be interested in that more in the evening than playing uh, Henchman Hardcore. Yeah, because that like, might be, that might be worth talking to Doug about. Yeah, everybody gets to play. It's a small campaign for like maybe two hours. You just sit down, have a beer, and start talking it out. That's what I'm talking about. Unwind your brain a little bit after a day of getting smashed. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's fantastic news, Dixon. Uh, the Bayou ended up getting you in this series, though, even though you're playing the Dirty Arcanists. I mean, I'm shaking my head, but at the same time, I don't think you can see it on your screen because I'm going too fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, But uh, I am loving, loving Colette, like, seriously and raspy has been like she was like a huge blast for me now that now i'm like in the zone so it's not like i'm love i'm not loving her anymore but it's more like okay how do i make this better Mm -hmm. you know that brain that mindset was like man this is really cool yeah i think you got a good feel for the keyword and you got a good feel for like some of its strengths and now you can maybe play with, okay, different models kind of coming in and out, flexing yep. during different situations. Yeah, make her uh, uh, the dark horse that I did with Pandora, but do it for the Arcanist. Yeah. Yeah, I like Yeah, because if you don't know what's going to happen when you go into that Rasputina game, it can be a... <laughs> you can feel like it's the strongest master in the game because it gives you that big of a negative play experience. Yeah. But then once you play against it, you're like, okay, there's ways to work around this. It's like... Yes, yes. Especially it's like, do you do I have a way to ignore Hassel's Terrain? Yes. Do I have a way to make it so my entire crew ignores Hassel's Terrain? Yes. Bullshit. Well, so one <laughs> thing I am curious about before we go, though, is when you played against my Wong crew you really kind of leaned into the kidnapping thing. What, why didn't you do that as much against like Maw? Uh, I can't. Uh, Maw hits way too hard and she basically ignores all of my, my shenanigans if she was in the middle of my crew. So I'm basically making your job easier to come into my crew and just tear it apart. Okay. Yeah. And that's just because I had the personal experience of playing Maw. Gotcha. I play Maw, so I know if somebody like this... <laughs> you're like, I don't right, want her closer than she is. Exactly. It was like, you're going to put me within like melee range of all of your models? Okay, well, Totem's gone. That's the <laughs> first thing. Let's go with this other one. Cluk. Yeah, because that's that's basically what I would have done if I was you. I would just eat the things that are small. Yeah, and Bog has Laugh Off. You have Serene Continents on Bryn. Yep. The Rooster Riders were too far back. Uh, I had a couple of models behind a house. Uh, Bryn might as well say, don't touch me, because he's, <laughs> he has serene protected as well. and protected as well and deny uh, triggers. Yep. So, like, if I'm anywhere near Bryn, I'm just like, no, I'm just, you stay there. You're, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to remember playing with and against Bryn that I, I knew you were going to do that. 
is it can really ruin an activation. Yeah. Uh, there was a time in our last game where you, I was waiting to see if you were going to try to get like onslaught with your uh, blessed of yep. December. Yep. And I think you missed the attack or something, or you didn't get the trigger. But I was like, if he declares onslaught, I'm absolutely ditching this last card yeah. so you don't get it. I didn't get any triggers. I got ma- uh, tomes. I got tomes yeah. for every one of the attacks. And so no triggers. But uh, the thing that I was terrified about was Brim being within six inches of my mechanical rider. Yes. Because that is better, in my opinion, than having stun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brim is like, I discard a card, you get nothing. And you just used all of your your because like Brynn does it after they use all their tokens. Yep. So if they use all of their tokens, you just go no and you just yeah. discard the card. <laughs> and I will say I I was happy to see your use of the mechanical rider in those two games. Uh, just the amount of cards you can draw, the mobility, the putting random markers down to because that was the thing for Rasputina. It's not only good because you can drop a scheme marker with your bonus. But also, you can drop a corpse marker down, I think, too, right? Yes, yes. And, and a scheme scheme and corpse are incredibly useful for Rasputina. Yeah. Again, sorry for the... No, you're good. So schemes and corpses are really important for Rasputina, but uh, you also get on the late game, you get to activate the Blessed December twice, or the Acrylite twice. Yeah. Which is huge. And, I mean, you got to see how good they are whenever they're already in the middle of the table. Yeah, definitely. So... It, it was it was a good series. Uh, definitely, I think some solid keywords going against each other, and it's fun to see you really flush out Arcanist because one, I think that's the faction I probably need the most games against, uh, just because I think that's the faction where if you aren't familiar with them, they can do a lot of silly things that really make it seem unfair. So it's good to know the matchup going into it. Yeah, but right now, like a lot of the Oh my god a lot Got a of monsoon the, yeah dude it's, it's it's oh my lord the internet's gonna get cut off soon give me a moment <laughs> that's all right we're almost done here anyways we can just kind of wrap it up here but yeah you know what i love you guys pray for me <laughs> i'll talk <laughs> to you later <laughs> dixon's taking a bath there i'm gonna wrap this thing up for us uh just make sure that you guys are like i said if you're interested in the houston gt definitely check us out there uh, as always, check out the, the notes in the show for things like how to support the podcast. And until next time, make sure that you guys are flipping cards, flipping tables, and we will see you all later. Peace.